The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's message is the gospel lesson from Mark chapter 1 that Pastor Sam read for us just a few moments ago. In the church year, the season of Epiphany celebrates the revealing of Jesus to the world. We've taken this season of Epiphany to try and reveal more about the heart of God. And here you have heard revealed that the heart of our King is the one who rules heaven and earth, and he does so with both justice and mercy. Here you have heard revealed that our Lord knows each of us intimately, down to the last molecule, down to the last breath and beat of our heart. And it is his heart that continues to invite us on his mission to bring the good news of his salvation to the world so that we too might enter in and experience the joy of not only of our Father, but heaven itself when one sinner repents. What a God we have. But when we balk at the mission or consider our unworthiness for it, he reveals to us that he has the authority to do all of this. For he has dominion over everything as its creator, which, believe it or not, means he has dominion over you. And you don't have to worry about being unworthy for the mission. Because the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus has made that possible. Now today we look at God's heart for healing. And our text today continues where last week's text left off. Jesus had taught in the synagogue and he expelled a demon from a man. But before we continue, we now must not be remiss. We must mention that Mark's focus is on you seeing Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. 
To that end, Mark keeps us moving forward in his gospel at a pace that doesn't give us much time to see much else but Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark is focused on his goal. Today, Mark tells us that Jesus immediately left the synagogue after the exorcism of the demon and entered Peter's home. When the disciples discover that Peter's mother-in-law is ill with fever, they entreat Jesus to care for her. And Jesus responds. Jesus comes near. He takes her by the hand. The fever leaves. She is healed and she serves them. Now you may remember how last week's text ended. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Well, today is the Sabbath, and it seems that not even the Sabbath will stop Jesus' fame spreading throughout the city of Capernaum. For after sundown, when the Sabbath concluded, Mark tells us that the entire city is at the door, clamoring for the healing of the sick and the expulsion of even more demons. Jesus draws near. He heals the sick and the demon possessed at the door. He muzzles the demons as he removes them from people. This alone is enough to prove Mark's opening statement of his gospel that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But what have we learned thus far about the heart of Jesus and his desire to heal? Well, we do see that in his incarnation, Jesus drew near to his people. In his earthly ministry, he served and healed many. He taught in the synagogue. He expelled lots of demons. He served his people by wielding his authority and his power on their behalf. He didn't shy away from illness or evil. Jesus drew near. He met evil head on. This is not surprising at all, for defeating evil is why Jesus has come. Now, all that we've heard thus far in the Gospel of Mark is shrouded in immediacy that testifies to Jesus' power and authority. Jesus acts swiftly, completely, and with mercy. Yes, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So what does the Christ and the Son of God do next? He rises early in the morning while it was still dark and he departs going out to a desolate place, that is, the desert. And there he prayed. I spent a good deal of time contemplating this prayer time of Jesus this week only to realize that Mark is actually making a turn here. For when dawn breaks, Peter and many from the city are searching for Jesus, and they find him, and Peter says, everyone is looking for you, which means, Jesus, you're a hit. You've demonstrated the authority to teach and the power of God by healing the sick and expelling the demons. We want more. Let's get this ministry of fishers of men off the ground. 
But here's the turn. Jesus replies, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. What does Jesus mean? Now, do you remember what Jesus was proclaiming before he called these disciples? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand now. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus is here to proclaim God's kingdom has come. He has come to call sinners to repentance and to believe the good news. That God's Christ, God's very Son, is here to do battle with evil and win. Mark records in the last verse of today's text that Jesus went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. To finish this turn, Mark makes no mention of healing. Only preaching and the expulsion of demons. Jesus is here to do battle with evil. So we turn and we look and we ask, what do you think of the newly found focus of Peter and the townspeople of Capernaum? What do you think they wanted from Jesus? Maybe some had been left out from the healing the night before and they were there to be healed. Maybe some didn't raise every issue to Jesus and they needed more healing. But the answer to why they are there is not as important as Jesus' mission. For his mission is our faith. Faith in Jesus. Faith in the news that the kingdom of God is now here. That God has sent his son to do battle with evil and win. The mission is not physical healing. At least not yet. Which should cause us now to pause, shouldn't it? You see, when we pause to focus on the heart of God to heal, it comes with it a risk. A risk that has both positive and negative ramifications. The positive is this, that you come to see that it is God's desire to heal his kingdom. It is life and creation itself fully restored. The negative is this, the suffering we endure, whether it is physical, mental, or emotional, it has a unique way of turning our focus in on ourselves, especially when we hear that there is healing available through Christ. And when that happens, Satan takes that desire and he turns us further inward so that all we see is our own belly button of suffering. And we can no longer focus on the forest of his kingdom. 
but rather we turn and focus on the trees of our suffering. Hence the cultural idiom, you can't see the forest for the trees. Now I am reminded of a humorous story regarding healing that I hope will, us, hope will help us today. So since it's a humorous story, you are supposed to laugh. But a woman who worked for a veterinarian was about to have knee surgery. And she was very nervous about the surgery and decided to ask her veterinarian boss if he had any advice for her. Without giving it much thought, he said, just turn your worries into prayers, get plenty of rest, and do not lick your incision. When we are suffering from pain of any kind, it is so easy to turn inward and to focus solely upon the injury we have received. So much so that we continue to lick our wounds. We rerun that ordeal that brought the injury, including the entire history of our suffering, over and over and over and over again. Our hearts lament, our bodies feel weaker, and that, that which could actually build our faith gets shortchanged, and we lose sight of Jesus. Our deaconess, who is perhaps wise beyond her years, speaks of this as getting lost at the cross. In our desire for healing, we run to the cross of Jesus and we fall at its feet and we get stuck there. We become so focused on ourselves that we forget to look up and see the suffering of Jesus. We get so stuck at the foot of the cross that we forget to descend from the hill of Calvary to see the tomb the empty tomb and the opportunity to turn just like Mary and to leap into the arms of our risen Savior. The one in whom all of our hope is found. Are you seeking a miracle today? Well, seeking a miracle is not a bad thing. Jesus tells us to ask. But if you are merely seeking the miracle and not the one who provides it, then you have focused on the wrong thing. For a miracle is a mere glimpse of the fullness of the kingdom of God, a feast that is prepared for all peoples, a feast that Isaiah describes this way. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine that is well-refined. And He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever. 
And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach from all his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The healing that Jesus brings us is far more than merely making the lame walk, the blame see, and the deaf hear. It is far more than curing your cancer or your relationship or your career or making the pain of your grief go away. It is the healing of all creation, making our relationship with the Father and all creation right again. It is His healing that brings heaven and earth together in all of its fullness. This is why Mark records, and he went through Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. No mention of healing. Now, does Jesus heal some more? Of course he does. For the very next story is the healing of the paralytic that was lowered through the roof. But what does Jesus do before healing him? He forgives his sins. This is the mission of the Christ, the Son of God. In light of God's promise of complete restoration, our prayers for individual healing must seem so small to God. Christ's crucifixion and especially his empty tomb means that God's promise of complete transformation and restoration is our reality. Your salvation and your resurrection from the dead is as sure as the nose on your face. And it is this that gives us the ability and the strength to persevere in times of trial. It is the empty tomb of Jesus that gives us comfort and it refreshes us when we are just so beaten down that we need to pause and take a breath. It is good to go to the foot of the cross. But don't stay there. Go to the empty tomb and turn and see your Savior again. For it is this that guides our prayers and helps us and strengthen us and preserve us in the faith. Because we too, like Mary, will get to turn and leap into the arms of our risen Savior, our Lord, the Christ, the Son of God. I know. It's hard. And Paul says that we should rejoice in our sufferings. Really, Paul? Really? But Paul knew suffering. 
jailed, shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, hungry and receiving the derision of many. But more than that, Jesus knew suffering. Jesus knew hunger and thirst. He knew what it was like to be beaten, to be spit upon, to receive the derision of many, to have pressed down upon his head a crown of thorns. And then to be hung on a cross, a horrible and agonizing death. The promise of God is that He will use every circumstance of our lives for our good. This means that even incomplete physical and emotional healing can be put to use for the kingdom. For it can put you in a position to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ with such a unique perspective that will help to unlock God's word and promise for another in the mission at hand. You see, Jesus hasn't lost his focus. He sees the forest and he sees the trees. He went to Golgotha. He hung on the cross of Calvary for you. He died and he was buried, paying the price for our sin. He was raised on the third day. He's ascended into heaven and he will return to make all things new, to wipe every tear, as Isaiah has prophesied, away. You have the word of God on it. And as Paul uses this very fact to remind us, that this is the reason we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient. And the things that are unseen, they are eternal. And he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Until then, we walk by faith, not by sight. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ has stayed on mission. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Here is our weekly awakening question. 
Is there a desire for healing in your life that has you seeking the miracle and not the Messiah? Is there a desire for healing in your life that is you seeking the miracle and not the Messiah? Something to contemplate in the week to come.